the Serious Talk Podcast, your source for all things archery. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Serious Talk Podcast brought to you by Serious Archery Products and Tough Head Broadheads. We are still at the Houston Safari Club show, and we're bringing a much different topic to the conversation this time. We are sitting here with the guys from Capital Ranch Real Estate. I've got Seth here with us as well. Why don't we just go around the table real quick and say who you are and make sure we get the good introductions. I'm Zach Mursky from Brenham, Texas. What do you do, Zach? I sell farms and ranches, rural properties across the state of Texas. Awesome. I'm Colton Harvard from the Austin area, and Zach and I, we work for the same company, work together, and uh, do the same thing. We thought this would be a neat one because as hunters and outdoorsmen, everyone wants their own piece of land at some point. And a lot of people don't know where to even start when it comes to purchasing their own land. So we thought having you all on to answer a few quick questions about the, the, what you got to do to buy some land would be a good topic of conversation. Yeah. What is Capital Ranch? Explain a little bit about your company. Yeah. So um, Capital Ranch is an independently owned real estate brokerage. It spans across the entire state. And we sell exclusively land and live water properties um, all over Texas. So we have uh, around 20 agents across the state, uh, around 20 agent locations. And it's owned by Cody Maxwell, who lives in Brenham, Texas, on his ranch in Washington County. And he is the owner and uh, broker of the company. And he's uh, two of his agents, and we've got agents all over. I saw the stars on the state, so I'm assuming that's where all your people are. They're pretty fanned out. Yes, sir. Yeah, all over. Like they have a good reach. Yeah, they do. So if someone is interested in buying a farm or a ranch, or I guess they're all called, are they all called ranches in Texas? Ranches, ranchettes, depending on the size of the acreage. Okay. So if someone's wanting to buy some land, what's the first step? What do they have to do? Well, it's good to know where you want to be, and it's good to know where your goals are. And so if you have a set of goals that you can look at and have as a frame of reference, then you can move in the right direction. And once you establish your goals, uh, where you want to be, what part of the state, Texas is a big state, as everybody knows, and from east to west or north to south, you're four different ecosystems and, uh, you know, four different types of properties, and there's so many uh, ranges and and different things in the state. So it's good to know what you want and uh, an acreage size and budget, and then mostly just figuring out um, yeah, what your goals are and then working towards them. Has everybody, anybody ever asked you, uh, instead of price saying, is there a rattlesnake free zone anywhere <laughs> in the state? You, you do get some interesting things. Uh, people, people have uh, obscure kind of things that they talk about. You know, we don't want any rattlesnakes or we don't want any hogs or pigs. Uh, you know, or you mosquito, you just hear funny things sometimes. But uh, you spend enough time outside, you realize those those cr- critters and things that crawl, they're everywhere. So no escaping them. We spent some time uh, down on the border, uh, outside of Laredo somewhere. We were in the middle of nowhere. Middle, yeah, I don't even know where we were. We were at San Ramon Ranch, and we hunted rattlesnakes down there with our bows. And it was a good time. I don't want to live there. <laughs> with a yeah, bow, that's you a, hunted with a bow. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. What kind of broadhead would you use on a rattlesnake like that? We were using the uh, Tough Head Evolution. There you go. Yeah. It's got to be go. a good shot. That's it. Did you cook them and eat them? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We did. Yeah. How yeah. did they cook them? Prepare them. 
So the, what they did is they just took the snake, they skinned it, and they cut it up into almost like chicken wing kind of size, and they battered it up and deep fried it. Tastes like chicken, right? Yeah. It was it it was like pork. I thought, yeah, it, was like I thought pork. it was more porky like than pork, chicken. But it was I liked it. Yeah, not bad. I liked it. I mean, it's better than starving. Fair enough. So I think next time it's all in the preparation. Yeah. Right. I think right. next time I would like it a lot better if instead of just eating it off the bone, they actually cut the meat off and made little nuggets. Sure. I think that'd be a little bit better. Yeah, for there's me, a lot of bones. To there was a lot of bone around. to pick around. Yeah, there was. was and it, it does make it just a little funky texture when you when you're, when you're eating it around the bone. Right. Yeah. Right. But we just got our some skins back this this past week from a taxidermist that did them down here, and they turned out really cool. So. Did you put them on a, a piece of cedar or a piece of board? Maybe? Not yet. Not We're yet. looking for the right piece of barn wood or something That's to good. put up in the office. Yeah, so, That's fun. Yeah, it was cool. So if someone gets into, they found the property they want. What's the typical timeline of how long does it take to finalize it and actually get the keys to your land? It all depends on how the purchase is structured. Uh, is it a cash purchase? Is it financed? Is it a 1031 exchange? Um, typically in today's time, 30 to 45 days from start to finish, you can close on a property. Um, if it's a commercial track of land, that time can be extended substantially. But for what we specialize in, farms and ranches, rural recreational properties, uh, no more than 60 days, typically speaking. Okay. So you mentioned a 1031 exchange. You're under the gun. Let's right? hear it. You're under the gun. So when they when they come to you and say, I've got $83 million I need you to spend right now, you can do that? It might be quite the task to undertake, but we can make it happen. Uh, the sky's the limit when it comes to purchasing land in Texas. Yeah. I mean, two acres to 200,000 acres. So obviously as the acreage increases, so does the price figure. Um, yeah. And that, that money can be split amongst multiple ranches and properties too. It doesn't, it's not limited just to one property. Right. So uh, there's a lot of options out there. Is there a good bit of land for sale in Texas right now? Quite a bit, quite a bit. Uh, across the board, Listings are probably down a little bit, I would say. A um, little instability in the market with interest rates rising and inflation, yeah. as everybody's aware of. But uh, still a good number of properties to choose from, just depending on location that you're looking. So you, you mentioned uh, interest rates. Is financing now as difficult as it has been, or is it easy to obtain just the interest rates high and so it's preventing more people from just jumping in? If you talk to the lenders, they, you know, they can get really creative with how they structure financing. And here in Texas, there's a lot of really good, solid companies that deal with specifically land lending, lending on farm, ranch, rural properties. And so that you can get creative with how you structure these things. Obviously, interest rates at double, triple what they were in the last couple years, that's a, a barrier of entry is a lot higher for a lot of people. Uh, the down payment's a bit more substantial, so um, it, it does slow things down a little bit, but these lenders, they're good at what they do and they can get creative with finding out options mm -hmm. that work for a specific person and their needs. Well, cash is always little K-King. There you go. But uh, when we're talking, are you seeing cash deals more prevalent when the interest rates are like this instead of them deciding to finance it? Is that? I, you know, I'd say that there's always people out buying property with cash, um, and the market does change that a little bit. But um, you know, people that that view land as a, and more and more nowadays, people view land as a 
it's a good place to put their money. That's the opinion of a lot of people. Is it's a good place to hedge inflation and um, put your money in a in a in something that's tangible that you can touch and use and enjoy and spend time with your family. Uh, and it it so you you always see people putting cash into the market. And with the interest rates rising a little bit, I say that doesn't that doesn't uh, change all that much. All right. So we've identified our piece of land, right, Connor? Yep. All right. So we we're excited. We've got the right real estate agent. They've brokered a deal. What happens? What's the next step after both parties agree? So both you find the place, we've looked at it, and you say this is the place we want. And okay. you make an offer. We, we write an it's offer. Accepted. And it's accepted. Well, then you're going to have a due diligence period. You're going to get in, and we're going to go look at the ranch again, kind of run a fine-tooth comb through it. The, we're going to go through a title company, and that title company will pull the title work for the particular property, it's gonna show you the history. The deed records, they're gonna to go to the courthouse, pull the paperwork, they're gonna find out uh, what's the oil and gas interest, if any. Is there any easements on the property? They're gonna run a fine tooth comb through and you can look at it, we'll look at it together. And then uh, once everything looks good, we move on to closing. Maybe there's a new survey order and you can identify the boundaries a little bit clearer. And then eventually, like Zach said, 30, 45 days later, you get the keys and, and off to the races. So something that might be specific, maybe a little more to Texas or in the Southwest, but in that due diligence period, you're looking for something like they said, hey, we've got five working wells, and you get out there and actually verify that you've got water on the property and stuff like that. Is that what you're doing in that due diligence period? That could be done, yes, sir. Um, there is a lot that goes into these rural properties, and you mentioned wells and water wells and oil and gas wells. So there is a lot that can go into these ranch properties in areas of high mineral production. And so uh, it, it's not uncommon, and we always recommend have a oil and gas attorney or specific attorney look at these things to really uh, get a grasp on it because um, there is a it's a very complicated matter. So it's good. Good to have a, a good oil and gas attorney review these things and be able to tell the client exactly what they need to know and what their position is. Yeah. In Kentucky, I don't think I'm going to worry about that oil and gas attorney. <laughs> no. no, not much need I'm gonna, there. I'm going to pray the gas oil shows up on it, <laughs> Jed Clampett, maybe. Not too much production there, huh? No, no. <laughs> we got plenty of rocks. Yeah. There's some coal. And that varies across the state of Texas, too. I mean, you've got areas that have a lot of oil and gas production and some with, with none, you know. So um, each property is really specific to, to itself. Um, sometimes the lawyer's needed for those things, and sometimes there's not. But um, we're licensed real estate agents and brokers, so uh, technically we can't practice law. Um, so when you have to have specific details explained to you uh, in the process of purchasing a ranch, um, that's where an attorney comes into play and really beneficial. Yeah, and other places uh, in the country where we've been, you go out in New Mexico, and uh, some of those places, they have a creek that runs through there, but you have no rights to any of the water. You can't touch hmm. a drop out of there because somebody bought the water rights to that place years ago. And, uh, and I remember we were hunting somewhere in New Mexico, and uh, the, they had a really nice uh, amount of water through there, and everything else was dry, and you'd go and you'd see a farm that had, you know, it was barren, there was nothing there, and you'd see one that was really green, and you'd ask, why? Well, because the uh, nut farm 20 miles away 
about all the water rights to that. And I thought that was pretty interesting. So you could step into something, buying something off of eBay, your, your <laughs> eBay track of land, and it turn out that you don't have any water on it or you don't have any rights to it. Absolutely. Sure. And that's something that not a, peop- a lot of people think about. Uh, but it's becoming a more important issue. I think in the, in the future, you know, water will probably be as important, if not more important, than the oil and gas and mineral rights. Um, without water, nothing can survive. So, like you said, a lot of those rights are severed and can be severed from the surface estate itself. So. I do have a quick question. When you guys are, uh, say I'm going to go and look at buying a property and there's a for sale sign with a broker's number on it, am I better off bringing another broker to the table to make that initial contact so that my interests are protected? Or is that something that they should just make a telephone call? And Are you a fiduciary for both parties when that happens? I think that it's always good if you can, and if you're interested to have a, a representing agent or broker represent you, whether you're the buyer or the seller in a real estate transaction. Uh, yeah, I think that those people are, are privy to the specifics of the, the market mm-hmm. and, and they, they do have a fiduciary duty to you. And, and I, so I think, yeah, I think it's a good thing to, to have a broker at the table and the sooner you can uh, have a conversation with somebody, the, the better. Yeah. yeah. So you guys are both hunters, right? Yes, sir. Sure. How tough is it going and seeing all these awesome properties and not getting to hunt them? <laughs> <laughs> or well, fishing. Well, Zach and I were just talking earlier as we were looking over some of our old marketing material at just how he said, man, he said, we're blessed to see some of these ranches, you know, and blessed to see just the, the work that some of these owners put in to their livestock, to their wildlife. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is a real passion for so many of these people and real stewards. And to, to see them being able to enjoy the fruits of their labor is a pretty neat thing. And, sure. uh, you know, yeah, it's fun, to, fun to, to hunt, but it's even funner. You know, once you hunt, you guys know this, once you hunt enough, it's fun to watch other people enjoy the hunt. Of course. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. So, range. What's what's the low end-ish of your property and the high end-ish of your property that, that you deal with? All right. Let's just not say low to high. Your your typical range that you deal in, not necessarily lows and highs, but depending on the area, depending on the location, um, small acres, two acres, you know, up to tens of thousands of acres. But uh, somebody's looking for a small recreational place. Typically, they have a drive time stipulation, you know, a couple of hours probably from wherever their home is. Um, and if they're absentee landowners, uh, a lot of times especially first, first-time first land buyers. They don't want to undertake a really large track of land, um, something that's a little more manageable. 20 to 50 acres, I see a lot personally. I think Colton does too, and a lot of us. Um, the price is a little bit less, you know, than a larger ranch. Um, but then just the size itself, it's not so overwhelming to manage and maintain as it would be a larger property. What's the size of a ranch at? That's what Connor and I might be able to afford in 50 years. What's a, what's a Texas ranch at? What do you think, Zach? I would say uh, that's probably uh, specific to each individual person. Uh, okay. I've seen five-acre ranches, and I've seen 15-acre ranchettes. So I know that's still 
both small acres tracks. But if, uh, if I get five acres, I'm calling it a ranch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Connor's, yeah. Ranch. Have to, yeah Connor's ranch yeah. over the gate, right? Yeah, yeah. put a big gate on it. Up, oh yeah, you have to come up with a cool symbol, a brand. Of <laughs> exactly, some type. I'm a brand yeah. it yeah. for sure. Well, if someone's wanting to buy some land in Texas, how can they get a hold of you guys? Well, there's a couple different ways, of course. Uh, ranchrealestate.com is is one way to get to our website. Capitalranchrealestate.com is another way to get to the website. Capital with an O-L at the end. Good dis- good distinction. And, you know, uh, 2023, social media is a, a great place to go. Um, so on social media, on Instagram, I'm selling Texas ranches. And that's my personal Instagram. And Capital Ranch Real Estate uh, has a wonderful Instagram as well. Oh, that's awesome. Always our cell phones. Uh, we've got them with us 24/7. Sometimes we're in areas that doesn't have don't have any service, so uh, forgive us if we don't catch you the first first ring. But uh, um, that's you're, you're a salesman, right? You're you're on 24/7. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> I stay up a lot at night uh, taking care of babies, so I'm always available. Uh, cool. But cool. personal cell phone numbers: mine's 979-203-0343. Mine's 806-335-5867. Awesome. We'll link, we'll link all this up in yeah, the Yeah, we'll put it all so. in the description for no everyone to check out. So, yeah, if you guys are interested in buying some land in Texas, check them out. And we really appreciate you all. Really appreciate you all coming on today. Thanks, guys. We appreciate you folks. You guys keep it up. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Thanks. Really enjoyed it.